So I don't know how many sessions, but uh, as we go along, all right, this will be the uh, main topic and it is uh, living in pleasure and not pressure. <laughs> okay, so should be interesting, right? How to live this life. God originally intended for us to live in pleasure and not pressure. So we, from the uh, Foundation 01 and also Saturday, actually Saturday and Sunday are quite related, right? So because it is what the, the Lord and the Holy Spirit is leading us into, to live the life that he wants us to live, all right, after redemption, the new creation, okay. So I'm glad that from for zero one, all right, I believe all of you have experienced some transformation in your lives, okay. As I said before, uh, this is not hate knowledge, <laughs> okay. So everything that is shared is meant to be lived out in your life. Okay, it is not a Bible school head knowledge and then you come up with a degree on Bible. <laughs> okay, but you come up to live the life that Jesus uh, saved us and redeemed us so that we can live this life on this earth. Okay, and not wait until we go to heaven. So I know this transformation is uh, done by the Holy Spirit as you... Uh, listen to his word, okay? In, in the world, when you hear this word pleasure and not pressure, you know, there are a lot of uh, motivation, right, courses that teach people how to, you know, go and get a life that uh, supposed to be living in pleasure <laughs> or happiness, okay? So we are not motivators here as uh, the Lord's uh, 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 teachers, okay, of the word. Do you know why we don't motivate people to study God's word or, any, or, or, or live a life of victory here on this earth? Anyone can answer why it's not motivation here. You know, I never, I never understood, I never attended any motivation course until five, five to six years ago. All right, all the time that I worked for 30 years, um, because I received a lot young, or small uh, when I was young. So I just work knowing that Jesus is with me, though I don't fully understand pure grace at that time. I never need motivation <laughs> to work or serve the Lord, okay? Or have success in life or what. But I get promoted every, I get uh, not promoted in, because my position was uh, there's no way to uh, promote already, okay? In that particular uh, department, that is uh, the highest. But I will always have the favor of God, okay? And always know, even though not fully graced at that time, I always knew that Jesus is my uh, the one who guide me and teach me and the supplier of all my needs. Until about five, six years ago, then I came across 
motivational thoughts. Actually, when I, when I started that, I felt uncomfortable inside. There were a lot of things that inside my spirit, I couldn't agree with. But I thank God that finally I, I understood what it is. <laughs> you know, the world wisdom and God's wisdom, there are only two, right? And we are God's children, right? Just as the Jews are God's chosen people, we are the new creation who are God's children. The Bible is our guide. Holy Spirit is our guide. We are born again. And we don't need a manual, all right, to help us uh, live our lives here. What we need is understanding and revelation of God's word. All right, so that's we covered the, the basic ones as in rightly dividing the word of truth, all right, in uh, zero one course. Because without that, we will be very confused, okay, taking the Old, Old Testament law plus, you know, don't even know Jew, Gentile, and new creation. So God is really so. I'm talking about these motivations. Here is not motivation. And nobody wants to try the answer. <laughs> Scholar, why is here not motivation? Okay. okay. Motivation huh? is, is by your self win, not from uh -huh. God. But yes, okay. Have, have, a, have a relationship with God, it's from the heart. It comes from love, not from the mind. It comes ah. from love. Okay, yes. So motivation has a lot to do with the mind, right? As we have spirit, soul, and body. So a lot of motivation is to try and make people have strong minds, okay? And they are actually spirit dead. Some may be born again, but still because they, they, are, they don't understand who they are in Christ, so they need to uh, develop their, their mind to so-called uh, be successful. So in the, in the mind, they motivate you you know, to be a better person, to be a, a winner, a champion, to, to even teach you how to be a giver, <laughs> right? But do you know that I think yesterday I shared, right? No one can be taught to give. Or it's all about nature, right? The born again. If a person does not born again, right? They try to do something that is not natural to them. Right, they may achieve by having a very strong mind, okay, or a will and motivated to be some, you know, have something in this life. But in the end, that person without Jesus Christ also have got nothing <laughs> because in the end, he's an eternal spirit. All right. So, what did Jesus do? You know, the motivation is to get the. the uh, the zeal going, right? Okay? And then when there's no more motivation, everything else will stop. What did Jesus do? Right? Before uh, the disciples could do anything. After Jesus rose from the dead. After Jesus, as, uh, as, uh, before Jesus rose, after Jesus rose from the dead, before he ascended to heaven, he told the disciples something. <laughs> what? I will give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, yeah, he said wait. Yeah, wait. Okay, wait in the uh, upper room. Don't do anything, don't go anywhere. They were actually not motivated anymore <laughs> because their leader has gone. <laughs> you know, they probably went back to fishing, went back to whatever. Uh, but Jesus, of whatever they used to do. But Jesus didn't sit down and give them a motivation class that, uh, you know, from now on, you serve me. Okay, what did he do in Acts chapter 1? He asked them to wait. Yeah. He's going to send the Holy Spirit with a person as well as fire. Okay, so the fire in you is not motivation. It is God putting it inside you, right? Some of you experience that. You know, why after uh, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and hearing the, 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 the word, okay, the correct word, why are you zealous for God? Why do you want to go and share the gospel with others? All right? You, it's not motivated because of the fire. Fire spreads the fastest, right? Yeah, you know, be very hard. If, if your house catch, I'm not, okay, don't say your house. Okay, <laughs> give another example. If somewhere catch fire, right? I think latest was the Penang Ketloksi Temple, right? Within one night, I saw the picture, I think someone posted, eh, no more already. It's a hundred years. A fire has, you know, destroyed it. It spread so fast. Normally, it, it, it spread before even the bomba come in, right? The, the, the fire brigade. So, God, when he uses uh, our, the people, his people, to, to live that life here, to spread the gospel and live the life he intended, he is not going to give us a lecture or, on how to do it. He gave you the ability and the fire within you, without which we will be doing all of self-effort. All right? As uh, what Robert Lowe said. So what we have, the unbelievers don't have. Okay? They only built their mind, and as a, as a lot revealed to, to, to us or to me, is that we're actually learning the principles from the Jews, okay? Because the Jews know Jehovah, they are God. They are godly people, okay? And they, they, they were given the ability and the power to be distinguished people, all right, on this earth to the Gentiles, okay? So when we were born again in Christ, we were called new creation. Okay? So it means altogether new, like a baby born without a past, but with a new heritage, with a new uh, beginning of life, not do's and don'ts. Okay? Just like a baby born is to live. All right? So, and the Holy Spirit, and God, make sure Jesus, all right, after his, work on the cross was to make it possible for man to be born again. And the next part, the next experience is the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit immersion because he never left us alone here to do his work or to live our lives here by ourselves. Okay? Not building the mind. The mind just needs renewal. Okay? But the spirit man, 
your spirit man. So these sessions are called developing the hidden man of the heart or the spirit man. Okay, your spirit man, my spirit man has been born again and now filled with what kind of power? Dynamis power. When, the, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit come upon you and the Holy Spirit will always be depicted as fire. Okay, only one time as a dove, but more of fire. So that's why the gospel spread so fast. And what happened to this? Actually, it's about 120 of them in the upper room. All right? They're just filled with the Holy Spirit and their whole life changed. Their fire, spirit of, uh, you know, when the Holy Spirit came, they got a new tongue. But what was it that they saw? It was as if there were tongues of fire on the uh, disciples. So what you and me receive in Christ to achieve the miraculous, to do things which ordinary people cannot do, to live a life which, you know, ordinary, ordinary with people without God, stress to do, <laughs> stress to go for it, right? Like a staircase, okay? They strive with their own effort, they build, but their strong minds, okay, to overcome, okay? Their uh, inferiority, all those results of sin. And you try to do it, some succeed, not many, okay? And, and those who couldn't do it, what happened? They end up being defined by the world as not good enough. And they grew up having this rejection, phobia, inferior, and always not good enough. You know, it starts from how we educate our children. When a child, you know, we teach them, right, as they grow. Okay, I'll give an example. For example, you learn, you must give, right, if you have two children, right? And then children, nature of Adam tends to be selfish, <laughs> okay? So if you have two around the same age, right, then you will know what it's like, okay? So they will fight for the toy, they will fight for, you know, for something like that. So if you don't have this type of children, never mind. But this is generally what will happen, okay? And then what the parents does is, you must learn to give, okay? And then if the child still don't want to give, then you say, bad boy. If the child give and follow your instruction, you will say, good boy. So as they grow up, they associate, okay? Being good as, you know, a good person is one who follow the, the, the good that the the, you know, whatever instruction in good. And then if you don't do it, you are not good, <laughs> not good enough. So in this world, this is what happens. And so it's so hard to understand grace, even uh, that, you know, oh, the child do something wrong. But in God's eyes, if he have received Jesus, he is good. Okay, so it is not about doing right or wrong that has been put inside uh, human, human beings, right, for decades, years, centuries, ages. And that's why we live, everyone lives in pressure because the pressure is the child 
have to do abide by the law, have to go have self-effort to try to be good. Because if you don't follow, <laughs> if you don't give, right, you are not good. But today, in Christ, okay, it's a totally different thing. The new creation. God put inside our spirit a new nature, the giver's nature, because our Father is a giver. See, what the world struggles to do, you and me in the new creation, when you understand you have been born again, you have a new nature, you don't struggle, you don't need anyone to motivate you. It is natural, automatic, because it was deposited, you were created with the heart of God, with his breath, God breathed into man, and when we got born again, that's who you are. The world took it away from believers. The identity, or rather, should be uh, Satan, right? Uh, in deceit. Okay? But today, I think all of you know that you know, you, we all answered, right? Why we need to study the Bible is to know the truth. Because we have been deceived just like Eve was 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden, right? Because she's not sure what God said. So today, we are here to rightly divide the truth, the word of God, to be sure what God said. Okay? Because you are not from this world. You don't belong here. Eventually, we will go up. We are eternal being to be with Jesus. So let's see about this life. Okay? So you have covered, although it's not exhaustive, I mean, those sessions that we covered, uh, there's still more revelation on that, okay? But we will uh, carry on, okay? And uh, trust the Holy Spirit to uh, keep guiding us and leading us. That's why the Holy Spirit was sent to lead the new creation, <laughs> not the unbelieving world. It was never the world to lead or guide the believer. The believer was to be guided by especially the Holy Spirit and the manual from heaven, which is the Bible. Okay? So once we know that, you become, and this is what it means, but uh, as he is, so are we in this world. Your identity, or we are, you know, is the same as Jesus when you walk on this earth. And the world look at you. You remember yesterday? We influence the world not the world influence us. Okay? So this is the truth of who the Jews were under the old covenant and they are still powerful today because they acknowledge their God. And today the new creation right, in Christ is even more powerful. But let's see from the word of God, okay? This life that God intended us to have, okay, before Adam fell So session one, all right, of how we're going to live this life of uh, um, no, uh, not pressure, no pressure, but pleasure. First one is no condemnation in Christ. I'm going to show you why this is the start of the whole new creation life of pleasure. Okay. All right. So Genesis 2, 
the bread into uh, Adam and Eve, right? The Lord God took the man he had made and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. Okay, God, after he created the six days, right? Then he, uh, after created man and everything on this earth, he settled him in where? The Garden of Eden. Okay, to not, to not sleep there all the time. <laughs> There's a work for Adam and Eve to do, okay? As a, as a garden, you, what, what were they supposed to do? Or he, all right, was supposed to cultivate and keep it. That means guard it, cultivate, right? Uh, grow that garden, okay? So don't think that uh, there's nothing to do, right? It is original even before the fall, okay? That God intended for Adam to do something. The only thing is to work, actually, all right? Uh, to cultivate is to work, but without sweat, without toil, without stress, okay? <clears throat> and keep it, okay? So here, I just, I, di I didn't, uh, it sometimes a lot reveal things to me, Holy Spirit, after I've done the slides, so I didn't change the slides, but I want to read this for you. Okay, so garden is not the little garden in our backyard <laughs> okay, that, we, that we, you know, we have, whether depending on the size of our house and all that. It is not that garden, okay, that God put Adam and Eve inside to cultivate or to work there. Okay, it comes, it's a, it's an, a garden, an enclosure, all right. Uh, uh, also, a, it's a, there's a, like a protection there, all right. It, has a meaning of uh, defending, covered there, surround there, hedge about to protect. So there is a, you know, something to surround this garden and protect him, protect uh, God's man. Okay, so this garden is also known as uh, oasis. Okay, it also means oasis, a garden, which is a fertile or green area in and around the region, uh, such as a desert, the caravan stopped to rest at an oasis. Okay, so in a desert, the oasis is where there is, is fertile, there's water there, right? And people go there to rest, something that provides refuge, relief, or pleasant. Like uh, here in our English, it says, the small park is a welcome oasis amid the city's many factories okay it's a place where you feel calm you feel you know uh, refreshed okay in the midst of all this, the, the the traffic and the buildings so most of us live in city okay where all these are uh, pollution stress work you know traffic jam uh, all these things and what does it say god built and Oasis, a garden. The garden is Eden, okay? And Eden means pleasure, not 
pressure. <laughs> okay, so by the time this session's finished, you will know. All remember, Eden means God put Adam in and Eve into a, a garden, uh, an oasis, all right, called Eden, which means pleasure, the first habitat of man after the creation. And I like this. It's, the, it's Adam's home. Okay? Adam's home is Eden <laughs> when God created him. Your home and my home is also is in Christ in Eden. Supposed to be a place of pleasure, <laughs> pleasure. Okay, but today many homes are having pressure, even believers. Okay, and they are struggling with life, with own effort. Right, climbing the staircase. That is the home that we are so used to in this world. Okay, there is no, uh, there's a lot of strife, there's a lot of, you know, instead of pleasure, it becomes pleasure. Okay, so for newlyweds, uh, hopefully, when you know this, it will be pleasure all the way. Okay, <laughs> if you don't know the grace and the will and intention of God, from experience, right, in this world, the beginning, maybe five months or so is pleasure. After that, it's pressure. <laughs> then you have to pay bills and then you start to get irritated with each other. Okay, But this doesn't have to be. Okay, Although it has been going on and on, all right, in this world for years and years. So let's see, okay, in God's, what God's intention is very important, right? God do things with a purpose, intention, and remember, he put the ability inside us. Okay? He will never ask you to do something if he doesn't give you the ability to do it. Okay? You don't have to strive all right, to uh, experience God's goodness. Okay, great. Huh? Before that, let me uh, read about this garden. So to let you see that this garden that God created for Adam and Eve and put them there to cultivate. It's not a small little garden, you know, and they have to work very hard. Okay, so uh, let me read a bit of a chapter uh, two. Okay, Genesis chapter two. I uh, didn't put it in slide. So the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts inhabitants. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested. Okay? God rested on the seventh day. Ceased on the seventh day from all his work. That's why today in Christ, we are to have rest. Right? Both spiritually and physically. Somehow, God has already put into this world. You can work six days, but there is a, what you call public holiday. Alright? Even whatever bosses in the world, they know that the human being cannot work non-stop every day the body was created to the physical body was also created to rest okay so god blessed the seventh day and sanctified it and set it apart as holy from all the other days because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and done so it was god's will for man to work okay nothing wrong with that the only thing is, it must be a rest day. Okay? This is the history of the origin of the heavens. 
and of the earth when they were created in the day. If you have a Bible, it's, it's in Genesis chapter 2, right? You can follow together with me. That the, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub or plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. You see, God intended that before he tell, uh, when he tell Adam to cultivate that garden, he already prepared that there will be rain, okay, so that whatever he cultivate, whatever he work, will prosper, will grow. He prepared that he's he, he going to give the rain, all right, and the sunshine, so, which was in the, the midst of a fog. So that time they have the midst of the fog used to rise from the land and water the entire surface of the, of the ground. God prepared everything, okay, for uh, his man, Adam, to work and enjoy his work because the part of growing that work, you know, the, 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 the garden or the plants or whatever he's doing, is not Adam's part, okay? That part is God's part. That's why Adam was not, he never sweat, okay? God provided the, the uh, increase, the growth. Then the Lord formed the body of man from the dust breathed into his nostril. Same as when you got born again. Okay, see the first creation and the new creation. All right, it's all about God's breath or God's spirit inside us. Nothing to do with our, if God didn't breathe his spirit inside us or in Adam, Adam would be dead, just a, the dust. Okay, so today is the same. If a person has not received Jesus, Okay, they are dead in the spirit. And the Lord planted, so an individual complete in uh, body and spirit. And the Lord God planted a garden. Okay, it's an amplified that I'm reading from. Oasis in, in the east, in, in Eden, which means Eden just now we read was uh, from the concordance of pleasure. It also means Delight, okay? The land of happiness. <laughs> this is the real one, okay? The real happiness is when your home is Eden and you have been born again. You have God's breath, your spirit man has been born again, became alive because after Adam's sin, we all died spiritually, all right? So, Eden was the place of delight, the home of Adam. So our home, you know, where we dwell, it was, is meant to, and where we work right, for, for us, okay, is meant to be delightful, enjoyable, bring you happiness, all right? Now so we put the man whom he had formed, created there. Today, we know it's in Christ. And in that garden, Okay. The Lord God caused to grow. Who caused to grow? The Lord Today we put our own effort. The world tells you 
if you don't put in your own effort, your, 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 your business or what won't grow. But here, the Lord caused it to grow. Okay? Cause the ground to grow, the fertile ground, whatever you are doing, working. All right? He is the one. All right? That's why uh, that in the spiritual also same. Right? One may plant, another, and one sow, one plant. But who is the one who caused it to grow? It can be spiritual and natural. It is God. So remember, we are not orphans. Okay? Every time you uh, worry or what, just remember this. I am not an orphan. <laughs> okay? Remember, because orphans worry. O-R-P-H-A-N-S. They don't have daddy and mommy to take care of them. Okay? So when the devil throws a worrisome thought, just remember, I'm not an orphan. I am, I have got father, all right? And my father will take care of me. He is like Adam's father, like that, God, all right? When he created him, gave birth to Adam. And in the garden, the Lord caused to grow from the ground, right? Every tree that is desirable, also good one, and pleasing to sight and good, suitable, pleasant for food. So God intended that Adam and Eve were to have plenty to eat. <laughs> More than enough. <laughs> okay? He planted everything that was... And then also aesthetics, you know? God is an artist, right? The master artist. So he says what? Pleasing to the sight. When uh, Adam and Eve wake up, all right, they're going to see beauty around them. The plants must be, have been very beautiful. The trees. Okay? The sight and good, suitable, pleasant for food. You eat all you want. That is the buffet there <laughs> in, the, in the Garden of Eden. Okay? Today, that's why we eat only a little bit, right? Because we don't know God is the more than enough God. Not, not only eat, we, we, we don't enjoy life because we have this wrong mindset that we have to you know, keep, 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 keep everything for the rainy day. And then the rainy day comes. Okay, but actually rain, the good one, the good rain, is come from God. Your supply come from God as he intended for Adam. You think it ever changed? If not Jesus, if you know, the new creation is worse than Adam, then Jesus don't need to, to die on the cross. But we are even in a better position and more uh, uh, glorious than Adam. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, the tree of uh, knowledge and of good and evil, be recognizing between good and evil. So now, uh, so look at this garden. Okay, so it is definitely not anybody's house garden <laughs> because I don't know. I didn't check how many uh, miles it is. Okay, but it says here a river flowed out of Eden. All right, so in your home, remember. In Adam's home, there's a river that, fly, that flows out from his home in his garden to water the garden. And from there, it divided it became four rivers. The first river is Pishon. It flows around the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. So God already planted gold in Adam's house <laughs> or home. Underneath his uh, land, all right, uh, he, there is 
goal. You see, God already put all the things needed for them to discover and enjoy life. The goal of that land is good. Uh, delium, a fragrant, res valuable resin, and oil stone, precious stones, were all in Adam's home, Adam and Eve. That's why in the New Testament, in redemption, what is it? Wealth and riches are in your house, in our house, right? This is even given to us to Christ, to by faith, because this is all what God planned. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the entire land of Cush. We'll go into a study of that. The third river is named Hidikai or Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. There are four rivers flowing through the Garden of Eden, which is Adam's and Eve's home. So the Lord God, so after he prepared everything, put all the precious stones, underneath the ground, okay? Then only he put man into this place. He had made and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. So we have a father. We are not often. He prepares everything for us. And then he just put you there to enjoy it, to cultivate it, to do some work. So whatever work it is, it's meant to be enjoyable, it's meant to prosper, okay, with God as the supplier, all right, because he finished already, he put you there and put us there, put Adam there to cultivate, to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, that's where the, uh, you know, the, the commandment came, but only from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Isn't it the same today? Right? But because on the otherwise, on the day that you eat of it, you shall most certainly die. Or in dying, you shall die. In Christ, it's the same, right? We are supposed to eat the tree of life. We're going to have a life on this earth where God, our Father, has prepared everything for us. That's why when they go into Jordan, into the promised land, the promises to the Jews were what? You will, you, will, you will occupy houses you didn't build, you know, uh, wells you didn't dig. Who did it? God caused the uh, giants to, to do it. And they just go in and enjoy the fruit of the land. And today, we are told we have to make it ourselves as if we are orphans. Okay? But in the new creation, right? God say, you know, we only eat from the tree of life. We eat God's word. That is the tree of life. Jesus today, brother Jesus, right? His word, right? Who you are as a new creation, who he, who he is. And it's supposed to be by grace, undeserved favor. Exactly like Adam and Eve. They never do anything yet to earn God's favor. <laughs> All they have was the breath of God, you know? And to uh, God tell them, yeah, cultivate everything provided already. So, but they chose the tree of, uh, to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is today law or works. Same is given to us today again. We have been born again, we have got spirit. 
So we can choose to go by what is, you know, uh, good and evil by our effort or enjoy the life of grace where God gives us, you know, the rain, the water, the supply, right? All we need to do is be led by the Spirit, all right, in whatever job. If we are in the wrong job, then listen to the Holy Spirit. Those things that are not written in the Word of God, Holy Spirit will guide us, all right? Other than that, you have the written word, follow the written word. Okay? The rhema is like who to marry, what job to do, what business to do. That Holy Spirit has been given to us. The, the world doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Okay, So can you imagine how precious we are, how privileged we are? And we normally don't communicate with him. <laughs> Okay, he's the one you're going to whisper. Hello, Wendy. I want you to, you know, I'm going to bless you like this. Okay, don't stress, friends. Okay, he is the person who is going to tell us everything. He was there also, trying to enjoy this life. And the world don't have the Holy Spirit. Okay, they try, they have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They have to work hard. What is right is wrong. For us, it is life, natural life to live in. But then, now the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper. So that was where, uh, in the Amplified, it's very cute. One who balances him. So Joan is the one who balanced uh, Robert. <laughs> not balanced. <laughs> okay, so uh, God is very cute, right? One who balances him, a counterpart is help me, right? Normally, is we complement, right? So a counterpart who is suitable, and complimentary for him. That's why it's good to have a uh, you know a partner who has the same uh, understanding, uh, not just only born again, but also understand grace. Otherwise, your uh, marriage relationship will be uh, you you want to live under grace, you want to live under law. <laughs> so can you imagine what will happen? <laughs> okay, so. God never meant it to be like that. But if we don't understand in the past, it's fine. Okay, but at least we know that now onwards, okay, this is what he intended for us. Okay, so the Lord got formed out of the ground every animal. See, even animals he formed. He formed for Adam. Then he, he brought, you know, and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam. You were the man, you know, you are the man, right? The world say you are the woman that God created to rule, to take charge and dominion over everything that God created. So God created, right? Even the, the, the animals. And how does he show that Adam is in charge? That he have already put within Adam the capacity to uh, take charge or rule. He brought them to Adam to see what the what Adam will call them. See, he gave Adam that the joy, right, the privilege to name the animals. And you know, there's plenty, right, of animals. <laughs> As I, you know, we always say, name a baby, you're so headache already, right? So Adam was having the brilliant mind of God to be able to name the animal. And he says what? According to is he will and to see what he will call them and whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. What did God give to Adam? The same power that 
he has the power to call into being, right? By speaking, by words, okay? So he called, as I, you know, uh, the lion, lion. It was all named by Adam, okay? And before the fall. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. So death and life are in the power of power. Come. When we're born again, what was the most powerful thing God gave us is the words. We can rule and reign when we believe God's words inside us and start speaking and naming. Right? You, have, you can name your business, right? <laughs> God gave us the intelligence to name it by the Spirit. If you have a business, you don't know what name, ask the Holy Spirit. Okay? He will give you a name that is distinguished. And that will be it. That's what, you know, that's, that will be it. Okay? That the world will see, wow, your business got this powerful name. The, 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 the unbelievers have to crack their head to come up with that name. But you and me, God's children, just ask Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then he will tell us. Okay? And, and it will prosper according to the name that you gave it. And the man gave names to all the animals, the livestock, to the birds of the air, to every animal of the field. Got stress? No stress. <laughs> Today we have to look at Google and all that, right? To check, 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 just to name one name, right? But Adam was inherent. God put inside him the nature of God, the power of God, the wisdom of God to be able to do all that. So you see, whatever God intended, he already put inside you and me in the spirit. That's why the spirit is the gut today, all right? The gut feeling. Okay, and how the Jews invented things. God spoke to them through their gut, through their spirit, and gave them a mental picture in their imagination before they invented whatever, pop or whatever. All right, because they had God. Okay, so today we have God not outside, inside us. Will He not give you fantastic ideas, imagination to name your business, to name whatever? you know, that you're going to do and according as the name is what is going to happen. Then, of course, there was a helper not found and God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place and the rib which God had taken from the man, he fashioned and formed into a woman and brought her to Adam. Then Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from out of man. For this reason, okay. So they were meant to be together and they were to be fruitful and multiply and enjoy their home. It's, like it's, a, it's a natural thing that God put inside human being, right? To want to have a home. But Jesus said very clearly to the disciple, in my father's house are many mansions. Which means that, yes, he will give us houses and all that, that we didn't, you know, go and work so hard for it. But don't look at the home or the house built with, you know, uh, from the substance of this world. Because of sin, this earth, God will create a new one. So whatever can be seen is temporary. And God spoke to the disciples very clearly. 
in my father's house are many mansions. Eternity is what he wants us to realize today that we are eternal beings. So don't put a treasure on this earth because eventually this book, you will have to say bye-bye. <laughs> then, you know, rapture, if you're so sayang your home, then you have to stay behind <laughs> because, hey, God, you know, my house is so nice. Uh, I bought, you know, how many billion uh, or million. So, okay, you can stay here. All right. But God, Jesus, tell them of their eternity, eternal place where it's a mansion beyond what you can ever think. Whatever you like, different people like different ones. There's the home. You know, why did Jesus tell the disciples about home, mansion? Because in, in the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he put Eden for them, a home where they can stay and they can work and they can enjoy that wonderful fellowship with God and with one another. Yeah? So Jesus is telling now that enjoyment forever will be not here in heaven. But on this earth, same thing that he wanted to give Adam and Eve, he also wants to give the new creation. As long as we don't stick our head into the sand <laughs> and then get stuck there, you know, when the trumpet call, like, and they never hear, okay? So uh, don't worry, everyone will hear, okay? When the trumpet call, we definitely don't want to, to uh, put our uh, feet on this earth anymore because he has created better place for us okay but on this earth he wants us to have a home home is no longer just a building okay the home is a place where in christ you are at peace you are at rest okay home can be anywhere all right abraham lived in tents okay and he was blessed all the way moving from one place to another it's no more about, about something physical that you strive very hard to earn the money to buy a house. Isn't this what uh, young people today have been taught by their parents or their motivators or whoever? You need to work very hard to get enough money. And the first thing you need to do is buy a house. <laughs> okay? As if God didn't know. <laughs> All right? So we have a God, we're not often, right? So he doesn't want us to strive. He will provide. But that home is temporary. All right? If not nice, just tell God, ship. <laughs> All right? And he'll give you another one. As long as we don't put our heart and soul in, in there until we, we set up, leave. <laughs> when rapture, rapture comes. Okay? So we were meant to, at the home today, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And where he dwells, there's supposed to be peace, rest. Okay, so wherever you go, there will be peace, there will be rest, there will be prosperity, happiness, delight. Eden is in Christ. The oasis is Jesus. Okay. Now, let's see. So you see clearly, right, that the garden is not something small. <laughs> that we have, you know, we plant something. All right, it's so big, it's so properly uh, furnished. All right, and God put and caused the ground to grow. Which today, whatever you put your hand into, if you recognize you are God's child, 
and you don't have to motivate yourself, but he gives you the ability, right, which is all grace, then you will enjoy your home, your work as what uh, Adam was supposed to enjoy. Okay, so another uh, as, uh, place where this word pleasure appeared is in Genesis 18, when God promised Abraham that he will, you know, uh, bless him and Abraham will have a son and will be blessed. Okay, God will distinguish him. But this is what God done for us in the new creation. Jesus did for us. Okay, so that time, I think it's the third time. All right, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and this is the final one. Uh, 20, about 25 years later, when the time to give birth come, all right, the angel came and uh, visited Abraham and told him, where is Sarah, your wife? Sarah is here today? Yes, Sarah is here. Okay, Sarah. Mm. Okay. So she's here. Amen. In the tent. Okay. <clears throat> the Lord said, I will surely return to you when the season comes around. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening and heard it at the tent door, which was behind him. You know, women like to be strong, right? <laughs> so it came from Sarah. Okay, don't scold us, okay? It came from Sarah. So uh, he was, she was eavesdropping, okay? Uh, what the angel was talking to uh, the husband. And then she listened and then what, what happened? Okay, so the same word here, all right, pleasure is Eden, okay? Which is luxury, dainty, okay? So delight, finery, uh, Live voluptuously. <laughs> I always remember Jonah. Okay. To live a luxurious life. We don't have to fight for it. You know, to have a luxurious life, as in whatever you want. Delight yourself. But if we don't need it, then we don't need it, right? Depends on your uh, calling in life. To be soft or pleasant, to live voluptuously or delightfully. Pleasure. Okay? So, and Abraham, now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years. So one is 19, uh, 99, the other one is uh, 89, 10 years I think, younger. It has ceased to be with Sarah as with young woman, which means she's past the age of childbearing. Therefore, that's why Sarah laughed, okay? Laughed to herself saying, after I have become aged, Shall I have pleasure and delight, my Lord? That's Eden. Okay? Being old also. The husband also old. Sarah also old. So in the natural, they cannot have a baby. But Sarah, the word in the Hebrew here is Eden. Okay? So Sarah is saying, let's still enjoy. See, God created sex within marriage for enjoyment. And Sarah was thinking, wow, I'm going to enjoy now, all right? Being uh, even at this age, because it's normally at that age, maybe no more already, no more enjoyment, okay? But so when God gave promise, all right, it's always come with it enjoyment, not burden, not stress. So when God said to Abraham, 
you will have your own son and you know you have nations. It was not stress. Even the coming forth of the son, Sarah, you know, talked about it as something to enjoy. Okay? So that was where the miracle happened. God even meant for Sarah to enjoy having that baby and not just have to take care of the baby. Okay? Now, in Corinthians, okay, going to share with you as we uh, uh, to, today, the miserable life, okay, and the pleasure life. What is it that the pleasure life is all about? Okay, 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Now, not, this is Paul now, okay, fast forward into the new creation. Not that we are sufficiently qualified to in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency and qualifications come from God. So as a new creation, remember, God provides everything, okay? Inside you, your sufficiency, your qualification, He already qualified you. You don't need to get 100 marks in the world to be qualified. You don't need to drive the Rolls Royce or what, then you are qualified. Who is our God? Jesus. Father, he said that he qualified you, right, to be a minister of the new covenant, to speak on his behalf, to live like what he intended, but it comes from God. So is there anything we don't have? Is there anything that we lack of? You say, oh, I didn't study degree. I lack of this intelligence. <laughs> we say we are qualified, everyone. When you realize it and you meditate on God's word, remember the button that you press in the leaf, all right, in Christ, you will have all that because it's already implanted. It's just that we never use it. All right, with the help of Holy Spirit, some more. So is there anyone not good enough? No, all of us have been given, given, all right? Anything that require uh, for us to live as ministers of the new covenant. New covenant is what you all know already, right? Mainly grace. That means you, you get blessed when you didn't work for it that hard, all right? Remember the cultivate, you work but without sweat, without stress. That was God's intention. You enjoy the work that you do without being pressured <laughs> by your boss or whoever. <gasps> Quick, this month, you know, must meet the target, all right, or whatever, God will help you if that is the one that God intended for you. Not of the latter. We are ministers of a new covenant. Ministers, that means you serve, okay? You serve to others. You give to others what? The new covenant of salvation through Christ. We don't give to others what? The law. The thou shalt and the thou shalt not. And then to look into yourself and then uh, strive hard. Not of the letter of the written code, but of the spirit. Okay? For the letter of the law, all the do's and don'ts, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to learn this, you, have, you know. It's the letter of the law, not just the Ten Commandments, okay? For the letter of the law gives life. 
the letter of the law will kill you. If you experience killing, you know, when you sort of not yet fully die, lah, <laughs> is it enjoyable to be killed? <laughs> or to have life is enjoyable, right? So when the law is being preached to you, or you can be in the church, you can be outside the church. Anything that's based on self-effort, now you know already, right? Is law. It will kill you. Okay? That means it will bring forth, as you will go and see it, misery. You won't be happy. Why? Later you will see. Because when you are told, do this and don't do this, and you put on your overalls, you know, to start your own self-effort, you can't do it. Are you very happy that you cannot do it? <laughs> you know, what was given to you a task to do, whether by your boss or your, you know, whatever, whoever, all right, your business, right? And you can't achieve that. Are you super happy? <laughs> I say, tell them, hello, boss. I cannot achieve this. Huh? I tried already. And I'm so happy to tell you I cannot do it. No, right? <laughs> so you will stress. You will strive to achieve it because... If you don't, you are defined as not good enough. Even they don't tell you, right? you yourself also will tell yourself, I'm not good enough. So that is the letter that kills. Okay? But that demand obedience and it reveals that you can't do it. If you can, it results in self-righteousness. I did it. <laughs> I did it. Okay. We can even say God help. But actually we know we did it. Okay. So this is not God's way. If we are his children, they're not open. Okay. But the spirit gives life. Today we are under the new covenant of life. Okay. Where we have the Holy Spirit. We have a new nature. We have a spirit being, a spirit hidden man of the heart that has been born again, that has got divine nature as a giver, that is able to attract wealth, is able to you know, communicate with people. People just love to talk with you because you are not killing them. <laughs> okay, so when we speak law, because we were put law was put on us, right? We kill a lot of people, right, around us. Who likes to be killed? So, to be actually condemned, right? Indirectly killing. Let's see this. Now, this ministry of uh, uh, the Old Covenant, Paul put two words to it. It's the ministry of death. Okay? Because it kills, so it will bring death. Death doesn't mean physically straight away die. Right? You feel yucks. You feel not good enough. You feel uh, not capable. You feel inferior. You feel ashamed. Right? Many believers know Jesus already still feel ashamed of their past. Ashamed that they, are, they don't get a degree. Ashamed that, you know, they are not rich enough. Right? So when, when people tell you, you have to do this to get this result, so we think that, oh, being wealthy, I, now I can cover up for the shame of my past, that I was poor, my family was poor. Right? So we strive because the world tells you, right, that if you don't succeed, 
then you will feel inferior, not good enough. This is death. Okay, it's a dark cloud. Every time you go into works, you go into self-effort, it is a dark cloud over your head. You know, dark cloud. It's, it's horrible. You're always depressed. That's why you have all the uh, sad mood, bad mood. Why? Because you cannot achieve. Okay? But that is a ministry of death. It may come coated, sounds good, at the end, it just, so why people, uh, you know, normal people will not strive for becoming millionaire or what? Because uh, I, I, they feel that already I cannot do it. I don't have the degree. I don't have the brains. I don't have the, you know, I'm too late already in life, too old already, too young or too, whatever, okay, to, to get this achievement. And then better to, instead of being more defined by people when you fail, they better don't start, <laughs> you know. So why are there a lot of God's children who has been given the brains of God? They not do business, they not do anything, work for the rest of their life. It's not because God don't want them to prosper. They have been put inside their mind. I'm not good enough. I cannot do what other people can do. Evelyn Joby can do. She's so smart, all right. But me, I don't know. I never go to school. It's not true. You have a father. You are born from him. He put everything inside us. It's just that the, when we expose to the world, that's how we were defined. And then, what is a new creation? Stop defining yourself like that. Right? Define yourself according to what God says you are. So, engraved in letters is a ministry of death. The covenant of the law. And which led to death because of sin. Came with such glory because Moses received the Ten Commandments and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory. A brilliance that was fading. So that was a time where uh, Moses put a veil when he brought down the Ten Commandments. How? Okay, it was glorious because it's from God. Okay, but that glory, the self-effort, Right, to try to uh, make it, obey the commandments, got some glory, but it will fade away because no one can actually do it. The new covenant, which allows but how the ministry of the spirit, so the old covenant is the ministry of death. The new covenant is the ministry of the spirit. So you need to know your spirit being. Okay, your spirit being, okay, God breathed his spirit into you, you're born again, you have so much potential in the spirit, the potential of God in you, Holy Spirit who knows all things, and the dynamic power that he put inside you, the new covenant which allows us to be spirit filled, fail to be even more glorious and splendid, which one more powerful, of course, the spirit life is more powerful, right? Not the tree of knowledge work by your own works and effort. They can never surpass, all right? The spirit-filled life. Because why? In this spirit-filled life, you miracles will happen. Supernatural things happen. In the normal life, you work for it. Of course, you get it. <laughs> you got brains, you get it. You know brains, sorry. You know? So 
you want the natural life? So, so, so you answered the questions, right? The two covenants, the natural and the supernatural. The covenant of death and the covenant of the spirit of grace. Okay? And what is this? Which one most splendid? Okay, we choose. Take the, the leaf or the staircase. For if the ministry that brings condemnation. Okay, this word is another description of the ministry of death, of the old covenant of law, all right, self-effort, it, what? It brings condemnation. Because when you cannot do it, how many of you feel happy when you cannot do it? <laughs> you feel miserable, right? You feel pressure. Some more the boss is telling you, oh, you better do it. And then you cannot do it. So that's where all the pressure and the stress come from. And you cannot do it, you feel condemned. Even the boss haven't said you are sick. You already said yourself. <laughs> okay, that are not good enough. You know, that's why you change job. <laughs> change it oh, led by the spirit okay but don't change it because you feel condemned that you're not good enough okay God will show himself display his glory through you if we live under the ministry of the spirit the new covenant and not the ministry of death okay the old covenant has glory how much more does glory overflow in the ministry that brings righteousness Okay, God's righteousness, the new covenant, which declares believers free of guilt. Today, what we have in the new covenant is the ministry of righteousness. Opposite the ministry of righteousness is the ministry that brings condemnation. And condemnation kills. The letter kill. It will make you feel not good enough. You know, yucks. Always this cloud over you. You cannot be happy until you achieve. But is it easy to achieve? No lah. You climb how many steps first? <laughs> then only you can get to the sky lounge, right? <laughs> but the ministry of righteousness in Christ, you just press the promise there. And he takes you there. Christ takes you there. Your God, your Father. Okay? And why? Because in this ministry of righteousness, you don't have to try to be right. You don't have to try to be good. You don't have to try, try all the self-effort. He declares you right. Right? The ability to stand in the presence of God and the devil without fear, without guilt, without condemnation, without shame, without inferiority. Isn't all this the result of sin? You know, you go into the world, how many believers feel inferior? Why? Because to tell you, if you don't meet this requirement of success, you, you don't have to tell you. You already feel inferior. I mean, inferior means that they are bigger than you. Defined by their bank account. Well, Jesus defined us by faith. You are, this is the ministry that we are able to share with others. Okay, you don't need to feel inferior, substandard, because you cannot do what they do. You are the righteousness of God. Isn't that what's going to give you confidence? The world who are successful, there's one trick about them. They are very confident people, right? And 
what happened? The believers envy them. Why I don't have that confidence? Huh? <laughs> because why you who allow you to be defined by them? Okay, when we are defined by God's righteousness by faith, you have even more confidence because you don't have to prove anything to them. You have God, the Holy Spirit inside you. Okay, there's no, no need for you to prove by your own effort that you are, you know, at par with them or better. You are already better. You are champion in Christ. So where is the confidence? The lion are as bold as, you know, the righteous are as bold as a lion. The effect of righteousness is confidence and peace forever. Right? So where, we're so, so, still so scared to speak, okay? The, the world make it like that, right? If you don't have that, a bank account or that success that they require of you, then you cannot speak very well. <laughs> because you speak, you feel condemned. Or you haven't done that much. Today, the boldness to speak is speak of what? We don't boast about what we have achieved. We boast of our inheritance, our birth in Christ. Okay? The righteous standing that you no longer have this inferiority complex. Okay? Superiority is also just aspect, right? Because it's a uh, self righteousness. So if you have been growing up with inferiority, complex, ashamed, timid. It's all because of this. The guilt, the, the mark of sin, all right, that you still feel not good enough without Father. Okay, but when, what is so wonderful, the gospel, uh, that Paul says, for the gospel is the power of God. I think it's Romans 1, 16, 17. Unto salvation to everyone who believes. For in it, first the Jew and then the Gentile, for in the gospel, in the good news, I repeat this 1,000 times already, is the righteousness of God revealed. So powerful, the righteousness of God. When you become the righteousness of God, it has the power to save you from condemnation, guilt, feeling not good enough, depressed, mood, bad mood, inferior, ashamed. Right? Now, in the gospel, it's a righteousness in the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus becoming your saviour and Lord. The world don't have. Their confidence is in their money, in what they have done. Just overnight, the money all gone, <laughs> do you think they will be confident anymore? <laughs> they have nothing to back them already. Okay? I'm not against uh, anyone. But the backing of their confidence is on their material things or their brilliant mind or whatever it is, which is all from this earth. Your confidence and my confidence in the new creation, the confidence to speak, right, is because you have been made righteous. That right standing. Do you know why that righteousness is so important? When you understand this more, you, you are the most confident person on this planet and you belong to Jesus, not to the world. The world has a fake confidence. Anytime all the money gone, you hear a different story. 
But for us, whether you got money, got no money, we know God provides, you will never lack. We are confident, all right, despite of material things. But we will also know as the righteousness of God in Christ, you rule and reign in life, just like Adam was supposed to rule. How to rule and reign? Uh, Romans uh, 5, 17, right? Receive the abundance of grace from Jesus and the gift of righteousness. These two will cause you to rule. Rule over the flesh, rule over the shame, the guilt, the not good enough, the timidity and all that. It belong, doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the old man that has died. So we need to understand this. Righteousness is the new covenant that declares the believers free of guilt. That means you are not guilty. And then set them apart for God's special purpose. What is condemnation? Right? It is that feeling that I've done something wrong in the past. Oh, I come from the wrong family. I poor. I never learned. I never study when, when uh, you know, everyone goes study. <laughs> I play game. Okay. So my marks are all low. That all I teach wrongly. You know, I brought up my children badly. Okay. So they are stupid because I was stupid. So all these are guilt and condemnation of the past. And what did God say? By faith, believing in Jesus, he gives you his righteousness. That standing that is free from all this guilt of all your past mistakes or whatever. And then you become set up, set apart for God's special purpose. So I said, when you know the new creation truth of the spirit, man, you don't have to crack your head. What is your purpose in life? When you know you are eternal being, you don't need to crack your head. Okay, you straight away know what is the purpose of life. If you still don't know, <laughs> then we will have another session. Okay, because you're eternal being, so your purpose is eternal purpose. Here on this earth is temporary, but live without stress, live in the righteousness of God. Indeed, what had glory, the law, in this case, no longer has glory because of the glory that surpasses it, the gospel. It is even more glorious, Jesus, in us, the righteousness of God. He took away sin. Sin is not just doing wrong thing. Sin is the whole nature that, is, uh, of, that we were born from Adam. And all that came out from sin is what? Guilt, condemnation, a shame, shame, inferiority. What once was so that you, you have this, uh, you know, you want to compete, you want to, you know, compare. Okay, that is the result of sin. What once was glorious no longer holds any glory because of the increasingly greater glory that has replaced it. In Christ, in the new creation, all right, you and me, there is a greater glory that has replaced the law. All right, all the self-effort of trying to please God or to be blessed. For if that law which fades away came with glory, how much more, much more must that gospel which remains and is permanent abide in glory and splendor? 
All right, this new ministry of righteousness, of the grace of God, is more glorious, is permanent, not the one that's going to fade away. How long can you strive in your own effort? All right, the body also got no strength. Really. <laughs> okay, but when God is the one who caused the rain to come over your, your work of your hands and all that, even how old so you can enjoy the blessing if God is the one who gives you. All right? That's why your boss said at 60 or something, you have to retire. That is the world, right? All the self-effort because they see you of no use anymore. If you don't bring a financial benefit to them, you're of no use. But God don't see us again, right? He can talk to us. Okay? So whatever age you are, you are still of use to God. You're still a minister of the new covenant. And the power of God is still flowing through your life because you are of the spirit, not of the flesh. It's permanent and it will pass on into eternity. Since we have such a glorious hope and confident expectation, we speak with great courage. Isn't this good news that you don't have to compete with the world and compare using self-effort to be blessed? But you have a God a father who will, you know, put already everything in your home, the blessings in, in, the, in the lid for you to just go up. Confident expectation. You can expect confidently, just like the Jews. When God tells them something, they follow and they expect. When God said, you, you bring your tithes and they will uh, go open the windows of heaven, they expect the windows of heaven to open. That's why most of the very rich Jewish people, they actually experience this, right? They are so rich until there's no place to put their, this one, just put in the bank. <laughs> Today it's all in numbers. I mean. But they are so, it is, you think it's not real? It is real. All right? The Jews experience it. And I believe some new creation also. But again, you know, we don't fight for it. It is God's blessing. We just follow what is put in his word and know who you are. You are his child. Okay? That is confidence now. And you speak with fear and trembling. <laughs> you speak with courage because it's not boasting about your ability anymore. You are boasting about your God, your father, right? Yeah. Nicholas will boast about his father, right? The, the, the great man, you know, you can do everything, DIY. <laughs> and then a lot of things, right? Who can do everything? So you speak confidently, right? Of your father. So here, why are you, why are we scared when we want to talk about Jesus and God, our father? Speak with great courage. Just look at the world, they only got money. <laughs> they don't have Eden. Okay, the pleasure. That's why uh, Proverbs, I forgot the exact text, right? The world, what the, 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 the blessing of God comes without toil, without uh, all the worries. You don't tell me a rich man has no worry. He's not worried about money, he's not worried about other things. <laughs> his wife, his, you know, children, whatever. 
Because in this world, without Christ, they worry about after they die, go where? <laughs> Michael Jackson worried about that, you know? That's why he, with all his money, he tried to preserve his life. So that's why uh, rich people try to be healthy because they are scared of death. They don't know where. After they pass on from this life, where are they going? This is the worst worry that a man can have to face. But today, God removed it from us. So, why are you so scared? Speak confidently. We are not scared of death. We just new new address, new home, permanent one. Okay? And we, not like Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the Israelites would not gaze at the end of the glory that was fading away in their minds. Uh, in fact, their minds were hardened. So this is a soul area. But they had lost the ability to understand. For until this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, so you need to come out from the works, okay, of the Old Covenant, ministry of death. At the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. We have the lift. <laughs> okay, theirs is still a veil covering their mind. They still cannot understand because it is removed only in Christ. The veil, all right, the, the cannot understand, okay, is because you follow the law. Okay, so if we continue to go into self effort and live in that realm, we will not have the veil removed. The veil gives you what? Freedom you can see clearly. Last <laughs> time blind, blind like that. Blur, blur like that. Right? Because the law brings condemnation, guilt all cover you. You can't see, you don't know where you're going or so. You don't know what's your purpose in life. You just live like, hopefully, you know, have children and then go up and then pass by the same cycle. But when the veil is removed of the law, that we are no longer ministers of self-effort of death of law when can it be removed when one only in christ so it is not just about receiving jesus because then we have this soul right we go back into the world and educate ourselves again in in law so you need the gospel of grace the ministry of righteousness to set us free you're already free it's like I told you yesterday, right? You're already free. You already go inside the leaf. <laughs> in Christ and in the leaf. But you struggle inside the leaf because you're not used to something, someone carry you up. You're used to you yourself do everything. So you feel uncomfortable in that place where, you know, God say, you just trust me, I will do it for you. You feel uncomfortable. So you hold on to the <laughs> railing of the lid <laughs> you know until press wrong button <laughs> okay so never get to where you're supposed to go huh? but you're supposed to relax so only can relax is when when you understand the covenant of grace pure grace okay then you enter the lid which is Christ to take us without struggling because we no longer put our trust in ourselves our ability our legs to carry us up our strength. Okay, if you are young, you can go up the stairs. If you are old, how? <laughs> okay, so it's no more about our physical strength or ability. Jesus, in his grace, is so beautiful. He says, I will take you. I will carry you to white hair like uh, Robert Lowe. 
I will still take care of you. <laughs> yeah, we got white and then black and then white, white. He will take care of you. His promise is that. Okay, you go and find it. Okay, there's a verse, right? You just press that verse, the promise that God will take care of you, even to your white hair. And then you go up, just enjoy the, you know, the scenery from up there. Okay, it's only removed in Christ, in the anointing, in the truth of the righteousness in Christ. But to this day, where Moses is read, a veil of blindness lies over their heart. So each time someone read to you what you have to do, what you have, you know, you shouldn't do to get this or get that, it's like the Moses, the law be read. And when you succumb yourself to that kind of, you know, uh, uh, words over your life, what will happen? You cannot see the righteousness. Okay? It's like a veil. Your heart, the heart that is supposed to be pumping, all right, in the spirit that wants to live free, suddenly got enclosed, covered by the law. But good news, whenever a person turns in repentance, that means change the mind. They stop thinking, you know, that you're not good enough, that you are often, that you, you know, God, uh, stop comparing all that because who you are in Christ, that is repentance, changing what you think inside your mind. I don't want to think about self-effort anymore. I don't want. Why when God can take me, can bless me, and I can be a blessing without self-effort, but just work and enjoy with pleasure. Okay? To the Lord, the veil, faith, by faith. Okay? It, as I said, it takes faith to trust the leaf or so. <laughs> okay? There's not many people. You go inside leaf, you can see sometimes people come in. Uh, so scared and in the leaf. Okay? So, we go inside, we just enjoy. Take lah, 34 floor, go up. You know, that's where I work before. You know, very high. But I'm not going so stupid as to walk up to the 34 floor when there's a lift there, they can take me up. Okay? So God tells us to protect a garden of Eden. He wants your life. But it starts with the veil has to be removed. Okay? Then only we can see that this is our daddy huh? who is going to make it easy for you. Now, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Emancipation from bondage. True freedom. True freedom doesn't come from having a big bank account. Right? Because if, when you cannot grow this account, you feel condemned again. Okay? So, and of course, money can disappear. True freedom comes when Okay? 
Okay, so liberty or freedom is the spirit. That's why Paul says in Ephesians and all that, be filled with the spirit, be led by the spirit. Okay, this will be a continuation of our uh, the life of pleasure and not pleasure. It's all with the word Jesus and the spirit. Nothing to do with self-effort at all. It's what God intended. Okay, so be filled. The anointing, all right, the presence of God. Relax. You cannot be filled with the spirit when your very body is very stressed. It's very hard to receive the anointing. Okay, because you are like fighting, you know. <laughs> but when God fills you, your whole body is you relax. Right? So self-effort always strive, right? Because you, you go on your own strength. And God said, I want you to relax. I fill you with my spirit. Right? Every day, be filled with the Spirit. I don't know, do not be drunk with wine. We're in this dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Singing unto yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Okay? This is the life. This is the life of enjoyment. You just walk, just sing, whatever you are doing. Working, working, whatever. If you have a chance to, you know, be able to, to, to voice, worship the Lord, sing in the Spirit. As you sing and pray in tongues, what is happening? You know, when you pray in tongues, wisdom is imparted to you. The wisdom that the world doesn't have to solve the solution or the challenge in your office or working place, whatever is disturbing or challenging. You know how you access Holy Spirit? Pray in tongues. And after a while, you, the answer comes. The situation gets settled. Right? Plus, of course, if you have the word of God, much better, but immediately just pray in tongues, sing in the spirit. That is your communication with the God who knows everything and created everything. That's why He gave you the tongue. The world don't have. <laughs> okay, when you're stuck, just pray in tongues anywhere. You got problems, pray in tongues. So it is a it's a relationship with the one who knows all things and whose desire is to take care of you. So this is the real freedom. Bondage. What is the bondage? No more bondage. Bondage to the law. Alright? To the self. We are all with unveiled face continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What a beautiful life, right? Living in pleasure. Okay? You are just reflector. Okay? Are progressively being when you see Jesus, that's why I said, law is what? Every day you wake up, I have to do this. I have to be good. I have to, you know. The all is about I, me, mine. You know, I mustn't uh, uh, what, miss the quiet time. It's okay if you miss your quiet time, just put it another time. <laughs> Not so quiet one. Okay, right. It's better to have, you know, Father, Son, Holy Angels all with you. So it's not so quiet. So when we are so into a rigid, you know, schedule, right? We actually towards ourselves. You know, I have to be like this. I have to, you know, show myself because I'm a leader or whatever. If you do things because of your what you you're supposed to be, then it's a miserable life, right? 
the real life is a little child, Samuel. <laughs> he just get up and then he walk here and there. He want to sleep, he just sleep. Okay, I'm not saying he don't work. Okay, so what I mean is that the freedom of the spirit, okay, you are being transformed when you behold him. They say, okay, Lord, today I know there's a lot of challenges in the office and all that, but Jesus, I, you work with me. I work with you. Holy Spirit, you show me. Pray in tongues, sing song, whatever. Okay, and remember to press the button of your promises. Being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more, which comes from the Lord. Everything we have today, you and me in the new creation, comes from God, your Father. Okay? All right, remember I, I, I was sharing one time, right? God is so cute. So this lady, uh, she needed uh, groceries, something like that, right? And uh, she went out to her garden or outside the house, and then she prayed to God. God, I need this. Don't know what lah. Maybe chicken lah, vegetable lah, whatever, whatever lah. Okay. So she named it all up at the outside her house. Then the neighbor, okay, a landed property lah, must be or could be condo also. Then the neighbor who is an unbeliever, okay, he heard this lady telling God what she need. Oh, list down lah. And then he want to mock her. <laughs> so, because he don't believe in God, huh? so he said, hey, this lady is so, you know, believing in her God. Okay, so whatever she listed, he went to the supermarket and he bought everything that, you know, she, she, she set up, she want this, la, chicken, la, whatever. And then, pack it up nicely and then put it at her doorstep. Okay, and waiting there to mock her. So, when she opened the door, Oh, she saw everything there, you know, exactly what she asked for. The, the water, the chicken, the duck, whatever, vegetable, fruit or whatever. Then she said, thank you, Lord. You answered my prayer. You provided. Then the neighbor, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> the neighbor said, what? You say your God give you. Uh, I'm the one who went to the supermarket and buy. Uh. It's not your God. Uh. I am the one buy for you. Then you know what the lady said? Yeah, my God used you man, to provide for me. <laughs> See, she knew where her source is. You can even use the Bible to bless you. Right? If you realize and know who is your supplier, who is the God, God will use anything, anyone, enemy or whatever, if they want to mock you, he will use. Okay? So you must know. It is your God who make you rich. As the Jews know, Abraham knew that. Not anybody. If anybody, actually God used them to bless you. <laughs> okay? So, wonderful, right? To belong to God in the new creation, to have him as our father. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse or the doom of the law and its condemnation. Okay? So where does the condemnation come from? Not only sin. Right, from the curse of the law. Okay? By becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, is crucified. Okay? So when you try to obey the law or you know, go by self-effort on that, and you cannot do it, you result, it will result in condemnation. To the end that through receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Okay? Anyone who is not a Jew. So that 
we through faith might all receive the, revel the realization of the promise of Holy Spirit. Long, long time ago, I always wonder why we receive, you know, Paul says, you receive Holy Spirit and you get everything of uh, Abraham's blessing. Because they're no more under law. They're under law, yeah, they have to obey, then they get blessed. But Holy Spirit is under grace. He's the one who will give you all the secret ideas, all right, to tell you how to be blessed, where to go, what to do. Holy Spirit who knows all things. And we have a session, uh, I think number two or three in, uh, in the Foundation 01, right? Why you need Holy Spirit? Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot access Abraham's blessing. One thing, reason why, because mind blocked the veil. The Holy Spirit is the one who opened up our minds to understand, okay, the revelations of grace. Without the Holy Spirit, you can only quote the verses. With the Holy Spirit, you can have the revelation and live in the reality of that promise of God. I write to you, dear brothers and sisters who are familiar with the law. Don't you know that when a person dies, okay, now, this is very interesting. Okay, I'm going to go through this to show you the miserable, pressured life of a believer under law. And it's all in, sum up in Romans chapter 7. Okay, Romans chapter 8 is the pleasure life. <laughs> Romans chapter 7 is the pressure life. Okay, so before we get, go to pleasure life, you need to know why a believer is going through pressure life. Okay, and Paul described it in Romans chapter 7. I write to you, dear brothers and sisters who are familiar with the law. Don't you know that when a person dies, it ends its obligation to the law? Okay, so in order to be free from the law, you have to die. For example, a married couple is bound by the law to remain together until separated by death. But one spouse dies, the other is when one spouse dies, the other is released from the law of the marriage. Okay? So one party uh, had to die. Then only you can come up from the marriage, right? Otherwise, you are bound there. Okay? So then, if a wife is joined to another man while she's still married, she commits adultery under the law, correct? But if her husband dies, she's obviously free from the marriage contract and may marry another man without being charged with adultery. So my dear brothers and sisters, the same principle applies to your relationship with God. So what are we talking today? A, a relationship, pleasure, right? Like Adam, Adam had with God before the fall, Eden, right? So it's about our relationship, not about your religion, okay? So, my dear brothers, the same principle applies. For you died to your first husband. <laughs> okay, the law. Understand? By being co-crucified with the body of the Messiah. So it's like, remember? Death. Death and then alive. These two words. Dead to sin and alive unto Christ, unto God. So, dead to sin means what? It's not just dead to you know, so telling some lies or stealing some things or whatever. It's not that. Those are the 
uh, the works of sin, but it's to the, the, the very nature of sin, the imputation of sin. For you died to your first, first husband, that's the old man, the law, all right, that is governed by law. So you die already, just like a marriage thing, all right, one party dies, you come up from the obligation. So if you are no more under law and all self-effort, you don't have an obligation to fulfill the law. All right, to do the right and the wrong, do this and do that, because you died already by through identifying with the death, uh, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We identified with him. Okay, so you are now free to marry another, the one who was raised from the dead, so that you may now bear spiritual fruit for God. Okay, so we are no longer married to the law through our identification with Jesus in the spirit, now you are free from the law. You are not obliged to obey the law in order to be blessed. Okay? Now you marry, you join yourself with another person. All right? Just like a marriage, the husband died already. So you can marry another one. And this person is Jesus. He does not require you to obey any law. <laughs> to look, uh, you know, try to do this or do that or not do this because the law will bring forth what condemnation, guilt because you cannot do it, right? So this new husband is grace, is <laughs> Jesus. He said, I will provide for you. I will take care of you, all right? I am your righteousness. I gave you the right standing. I will bless your, your job, your business, whatever. If you know, if it's wrong one, of course, I said, I told you, the Holy Spirit will take you out. But if that is what you are doing, God will bless you. He said, the new husband will take care of you. Okay? <laughs> John, don't marry a new husband. Okay? <laughs> this one very good. So it's in the spirit, all right? So which means now, this new is a marriage relationship. You don't have to work to produce baby. You bear fruit, spiritual fruit. Okay? A married couple bears fruit. So, the fruits of the spirit, the blessings are all fruits. They are not works. The works of the flesh is what? Anger, hatred, killing, and all that. But the fruit of the spirit, because you are married to Jesus, who is grace, you automatically love to give. You automatically love others. That is from your new union with Jesus. Okay? For the old union, the husband, ex-husband died already. That is the law. Yes, you are blessed. You don't have to follow that, you know, that law, requirement of the law. You need to get it yourself. You need to fight for it. You need to, you know, all that. Do this, do that, okay? So now you bear fruit. It is automatic. It is the new nature. That's why First uh, John uh, 3, 9 talks about your new nature. The new seed, the divine sperm is in you. So if you have a divine sperm in you, what happens? You bear children, right? Okay, so this is natural. Hey, God didn't make it very difficult, right? Okay, so when you were living natural lives, the law to defining sin, actu sin actually awakened sinful desires within us, which resulted in bearing the fruit of death. But now that we have been fully released from the power of sin of the law, there is a power, okay, a supernatural power that only you will experience from the real God. 
that's why what we have conversion doesn't make sense to the, the unbeliever. What? You say you're a child of God. Ah. <laughs> Go back into the womb and come out. <gasps> no, a supernatural power happened in all our lives. The day we said, Jesus, I acknowledge you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. You cannot explain this. It's the power of God. That's why people get healed. People get, you know, all the miracles, supernatural, it's the power of God. It's not by self-effort. That's why we call it miracle or supernatural. God bless Abraham supernaturally, right? With a son. And then with all the blessings, it's all supernatural. That's why you need to live in the supernatural. <laughs> but now we have been fully released from the power of the law. We are dead to what once controlled us, all the obligation to the law, to be good, to be good enough. And our lives are no longer, see, motivated by the obsolete way of following the written code. So that now, okay, so we are not motivated by uh, the law. Okay, by, by, you know, people telling you what you should do, what you should not do and all that. Or yourself telling you. So that now, you want to know how to serve God? Now we may serve God in the new creation by, by what? By living, <laughs> not by doing. Okay, it doesn't mean you don't do anything, but the life is what is, has happened to you when you got born again. It's just like a new baby entered the world. He has life in the physical. When we born in the spirit, we entered this world, but from above, we have life by living what? Living the freshness of a new life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Serve God again by living the life that you live without stress. Okay, shows you know that you belong to God, you are a son and a servant of God. Everything you do is supernatural. While people are crying or, or you know suffering, you are laughing, you are enjoying, you're having the peace, you have confidence, not in yourself. Okay, serving the Lord is. Live the new creation life. Live the new life by your own effort. No, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, I give you the Holy Spirit. Okay, like be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day we need the filling of the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues or whatever, you know. And then you are being filled again and again. Holy Spirit is the lead, the guide you. So it is no more. The commandments, thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. From the Holy Spirit, the newborn divine sperm, you serve the Lord. You know, uh, I think it's Romans 1 7, right? Paul says, I serve the Lord from my spirit, not my flesh, not my mind, which is all by law. You have the joy of serving God, which was a, without joy is a curse of disobedience to the Lord. Deuteronomy 28. So when you're serving, supposedly thinking you're serving, and then you no more joy already. That's a curse. And Jesus has removed us from the curse of the law. That means you are putting yourself under law already. Serving God has become a chore. Okay? You just do it because you have to do it. But when you are living the life, all right, from the seed that's inside you, you enjoy that serving. It's a power of the Holy Spirit, not your own power. 
Okay, and then what happens is you will never, never, never point to yourself. I'm the one who do one, you know. I serve the Lord one. <laughs> okay, no. Because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. All the credit goes to Him. I'm just living the life and letting Holy Spirit and Jesus live in me and through me. That's how we serve the Lord, right? Live, live, not die. So what shall we say about all this? Am I suggesting that the law is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that gave us the clear definition of sin. You can understand this. For example, when the law said, do not covet, it became the catalyst to see how wrong it is for me to crave what belongs to another person. So if there's no law, we don't know what is sin. Okay, so the law says don't covet, don't cross the red light, you cross the red light, that's sin. If there is no law or rule on it, you don't know what is sin. So the law brings out your uh, realization of sin. That's why the strength of sin is the law. You want people to sin more, you just bring the law out. And again, it's evidence in our children. Don't touch this. The next minute, they touch already. <laughs> All right? So, don't put the law. We live by the life. It was through God's commandment that sin was awakened in me. So, the law came and the children of Israel or the people saw their sinful condition because the law said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all their heart. And inside them, they cannot do it. Only way they can do it is what? Jesus. But it was not by commandment. It was by faith. Today, we love God. We serve Him because of His grace. He loves us first. It's not because I have to obey that one. I must serve the Lord. Okay? So, the law only brings up what we are you know, our weakness that we cannot do it by ourselves. So, God's commandment that sin was awakened in me and built its base of operation within me to stir up every kind of wrong desire. When you put the law, then you will, that means, you know, you, should, you must be a good Christian. You must serve the Lord. You must be nice. You must not throw your temper. You must, you know, okay, what happened? Right? It will stir up the wrong desire. <laughs> okay? it has the power to bring up that instead of doing that you cannot in your own strength so you end up doing opposite you end up sinning you end up you know you desire to uh, have, have uh, uh, sex before marriage okay when, when law is given to you thou shalt not do this but when the person realizes they are born again the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to put the law there, you know. They just no more desire to sin because they are having a wonderful fellowship with grace, with Jesus, where your new husband don't tell you what to do, what not to do. Okay, now when I, when I teach this, I don't mean that you don't guide your children as to what is good, what is not good, but don't put the law on that. Guide them, tell them, okay? But just don't tell them what to do. Tell them they are new people. They have a new nature. And they can have the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Okay? For in the absence of the law, sin hides dormant. Sin got no power. That's why Romans 6, uh, 10 says, uh, 14 says this. Or is it 14, 6? Says that when you're under law, when you're under grace, 
sin will not have dominion over you. I mean, sin has no power over you because it lies dormant. It's the law that brings out sin when you put the do's and the don'ts. Okay? But if you don't put there, sin cannot come out. <laughs> okay? So, I once lived with a clear understanding of the law, but when I heard God's commandments, ah, let's look at what this, what, what commandment is it? Sin sprang to life and brought with it a death sentence. The commandment that was intended to bring life brought me death instead. Okay? Now, this will make you scared. Don't ever put law with it. <laughs> okay? Not on yourself, not on anyone. Okay? Because what happened when we put law, self-effort on the do's and the don'ts and whatever, sin sprang to life. You're giving the power for sin to come up. And then with it comes what? Death sentence. The ministry of death. Condemned. In fact, I tell you now, today, you all didn't come to uh, this uh, uh, class. Why? Must come. Right? Because if not, God won't bless you. I, I put a law on you already and you will die. <laughs> okay? Inside. <laughs> okay? After a while, it brings death. We come because we want to eat the feast that Jesus prepared for us. The wonderful food of grace and life. The commandment, God's commandment, nothing wrong, but was intended because of sin nature in man. Right? That is the problem. That was intended to bring life, brought me death instead. So by means of the commandment, built a base of operation within me to overpower me and put me to death. So then we have to conclude that the problem is not with the law itself. For the law is holy. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with God's law or Ten Commandments and all the other moral laws. Nothing wrong. It is holy because God is holy and His commandments are correct and for our good. So, did something meant to be good become death to me? Certainly not. It was not the law, but sin and mass that produced my spiritual death. Because the law revealed, you know, unmask the sin. After you hear the law, the sin come out, revealed already. If I don't obey this, then that's sin, right? So, then it produced nothing wrong with the law, right? But because of sin, unmasked by bringing out the law, then it brings forth spiritual death because we on our own cannot, cannot, uh, uh, what do you call it, obey that law. This sacred commandment merely uncovered the evil of sin so that it can be seen for what it is. For we know that the law is divinely inspired and comes from the spiritual realm. But I am a human being made of flesh and trafficked as a slave under sin's authority. So now this is the miserable life. Okay? You have your spirit that is born again. Then you have this mind not renewed. Okay? So he says, I'm a human being of the flesh, spirit, soul, and body now. You have your five senses, okay? And, you see, if I myself a mystery to myself, I want to do what is right. Who is that I there? The newborn again spirit. But end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. When the law is put on you or you put yourself under law, then you end up doing what your new spirit man actually want to do, you do the opposite. Right? Because when the law is brought to you, 
you you will automatically the give the, the sim is power to take over. So if my and then if my behavior is not in line with my desire, my conscience still confirms the excellence of the law. So you behave differently. You want to do the thing that you know is good. You want to love people, okay? And then you end up, when you put the law, thou shalt love, okay, you have to love as a, as a leader, as a wife. What? You put a law on your own self, which God didn't put. So what happened? You end up getting frustrated because you're trying with your own effort to love that person who is very difficult to love. Now I realize it's no longer my true self doing it, but the under unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. And that's why God has to give us a new body. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. The longings to do what is right are within me. But the willpower is not enough to accomplish it. See? Spirit, soul, body. So, you, you, in, when you're born again, you have the desire to uh, do good or to, you know, to do, do good. We have to serve the Lord. Lah, do things. Okay? But if you put yourself under law, then you are using your own willpower and strength to do it to serve the Lord or whatever you want to do, okay? To get rich or to be successful or whatever, okay? When instead of knowing the, the, the new life. So what happened? You use willpower. But the willpower of the soul is what? Not strong enough. Okay? So we are safe spirit. Our mind not safe. Our body, five senses not safe. Yet, until... The Lord lecture gives us a new body. Okay, so if we try to use our own willpower, which the unbelieving world use, that's why not many are strong will, right? They, you know, to be successful, they say you have to be, you know, will yourself. If you will it, you can do it. How many can will? <laughs> not many. Then those who cannot will it, they feel condemned, not good enough. They go back into a cycle of condemnation and misery. Especially a believer. It's not meant to be subject to that. But willpower is not enough to accomplish. Then, there's self-effort. Okay, willpower. My lofty desires to do what is good are now dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. So you end up doing something, you know, instead of loving the person, you end up hating the person. Or, or whatever. And then you feel what? Bad, right? So if my behavior contradicts my desire to do good, in your new spirit, man, there is only one desire, the desire to please, to do please God, the desire to, you know, love him back because of what he has loved us. He created a new desire inside. There is no born again, real born again Christian or, or believer who has a desire to sin. Okay? Cannot be. Because if you're born from God, then your desires are from birth. That's why Paul says what? All the laws are now written in our heart, not written in the head anymore. But if we continue to use this head, all right, to try to serve God or to please God, when we are already pleasing in Christ, nothing that you deserve, then we have this contradiction happening. 
Okay, in your heart, you want to serve God. You want to love God. You want to do according to everything that you know God wants. Or you think you know is pleasing to God. But in our self-effort, in the law, right, we end up doing the things that we don't want to do. You end up losing your temper more. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, see, don't ever believe the lie of the devil that you've got desire to sin. The desire to sin is in the flesh, right? The new born again spirit has no desire to sin. That's why spirits are body very contradicting. And we are to rule over the body and the soul from the spirit, not from law. Law only appeals to your mind. Okay, so I must conclude it's not my true identity doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. So you really need to know you are a new creation in Christ and everything about it. Through, through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Correct now, all of you. <laughs> There's no born again believer who doesn't want to please God. But you can do it by law or by just live relaxing and let him, you know, fellowship with him, life, life, live, live, right? We have to fellowship with him, focus on him, not on trying to do good. Then I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready. Truly deep within my true identity, there's a new creation born again. I love to do what pleases God, but I discern there is another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience. Okay, so your conscience is now being made clean, right? You, you want to do good. Then there is another part of you, all right, which is your mind, not renewed, which is uh, fed by the law, the do's and the don'ts, the self-effort, okay? It's waging a war, like spirit and flesh. That's where this is the, the, the life that a believer goes through all the time. So my flesh, my spirit, my flesh, my spirit, the one is the one that causes you to be miserable for a believer, okay? It is not outside forces is within you because you are no more that old man all right so your spirit born again your soul not born your five senses still in this world bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin so when the sin come up when you put the law and then after that if you sin in the next verse uh, later on you will have the law of sin and death. I'll go into that next week. This unwelcome intruder in my humanity. So what an agonizing situation I'm in. Okay? It's, it's miserable, right? This pressure is even worse than, you know, the word pressure. Agonize. This is actually what is going on. Okay? So if we don't come out of law, who, so who has the power you need a power to set you free. You, you cannot use uh, uh, you know, your willpower. You need God's power to set you free. And then he says here, who has the power to rescue this miserable man? 
See, when you live under half law and half grace, you are a miserable man. So one side, you say, Lord, I thank you. You love me. Another side, I'm trying by my own effort to please God. Okay? You are the miserable man. So you need a supernatural power, another greater power to, relieve, to set you free from sin and death. Continue next week, right? The one. Okay? But the good news, Paul described this believer under law, living under half law, half grace, basically, half law, half grace. Very miserable. So, we've got life of pleasure. Because pleasure is not just having a lot of money, right? It is the internal conflict inside. <laughs> you know, the guilt, the condemnation, the shame, right? Money temporary only. Today you make a lot of money, you feel happy. Tomorrow the money no more, you feel unhappy. Okay? But what is permanent inside is this, this conflict that goes on, especially in the life of a believer. So why are believers so miserable? This is the reason why. Why believers supposed to live in rest, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, in the righteousness of God, without fear, without shame, without guilt, are living a little bit happy, a little bit sad, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> Only my error can understand. Okay, John, Donnie and Marie Osmond. It's not meant to be like that. Okay, it's meant to be living the life of happiness, delight, voluptuous living, right? Enjoying the Eden, the oasis from within. That's why it's, happiness is not outside. It's inside. So no matter what situation you are, Jesus said in this world, you have some challenges and tribulation, but be of good cheer, happy, because I've overcome the world. So how does this work? All right? It's in the gospel. When you got saved, you must recognize you have this war inside you. You do something and then you condemn. Okay? Because you put the law there. You put the law there. All right? Has finally, and then the answer is God. The, the law of sin, the power of uh, life and the spirit. That is the, what is going to set us free. When we put ourselves under grace and no more under law. Has finally provided a way. There is a way. So this predicament, no believers, no need to keep on quoting this anymore. <laughs> Jesus, by his grace, and you know the truth of the grace, you can be set free from this. If not, every day you wake up like that one. <laughs> Miserable life. And then we think we are happy. You're not happy. Okay? So, let, let to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now, my renewed mind, that's why we are here to renew our minds, to align ourselves with what God has done for us in the spirit and will continue to bless us by grace. Okay? Our mind, we need to fix all right, on the things of above, the things of what Jesus has done. No more on the law of do's and don'ts or self-effort. Submitted to God's righteousness. His righteousness, his righteous principles, his righteousness, not man one. Man one is have to do right to please God. You know, so uh, you always focus on yourself. Moment get up is all about you. Okay? But no, this mind being renewed about a life that you can live. So now the case is closed. Romans 8, 
So we are going to go through this whole new life, the beginning of life of pleasure. Just now you saw the life of pleasure, <laughs> agonizing. When you try to live a bit of law and a little bit of grace, you have this fighting inside you. Okay? Now, and then brings all the condemnation and the guilt. You never get up. <laughs> okay? But the real freedom where you can fly is when you start with this one. Then now the case is closed. This whole fighting, okay, can be closed when you understand the revelation, the truth of what Jesus done for us, which is now there is, uh, in the TPT it says, there remains no accusation, accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one, your new marriage to the new husband who doesn't require you to do this, do that, do this, do that in order to please him. The new husband gives you everything. He gives you the new nature. He gives you love. It's a life relationship, a life union. So how can there be condemnation? How can there be guilt when he doesn't point you at your sin? He never say, Evelyn, see, today you burst your temper again. <laughs> Okay, he just said, come. And you have the freedom. You will not, you understand, he does not condemn you. All right? So the whole, your whole pleasure life will start with understanding that God doesn't condemn you anymore because, right, to condemn means to pronounce guilty. Right? When you follow the law, you will always feel guilty because when you can do it, you feel happy. You cannot do it, you feel guilty. Correct? No? <laughs> yeah, you may not show it, but inside you feel bad. Why? Because you feel that you must be the perfect person. You must, you must, you must, you have to. So not all the time you can do it, right? Because when you put the law on yourself, this requirement, you will fail. And then comes in that guilty conscience. So Condemn means then you will feel condemned. And then slowly, slowly, you don't want to be a Christian anymore. <laughs> yeah, miserable life, right? The agonizing life. To condemn means to pronounce, to be guilty, to sentence to punishment or to pass judgment against. Before anyone passed, God never passed judgment on you. You pass judgment on yourself. I'm not good enough. Huh? I cannot love that person. I wanted to love the person, but end up I'm so angry. If you keep on focusing on that, that's what happens. Guilt will come after that. But how can we live this life? It's not because of we doing or not doing. So this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, we are all facing a death sentence because of Adam's sin, right? With the word verdict guilty. But this gracious gift, God's grace through Jesus Christ, where he, he makes, he, he don't, you know, if he took that guilt for you, leaves us free from our many failures. So here under grace, you can fail. Okay? We can fail. We can make mistakes. We can lose temper. 
and then still get up. Okay? And you enjoy. Instead, condemnation means judgment passed on you already. You cannot enjoy your life anymore. You are condemned. The gift of grace gives you, set you free from many failures and bring us into the perfect righteousness of God. So why you can get up again after you've done something wrong? Maybe you blow your temper or whatever. Right? Or say the wrong thing. Why you can get up? Because you know you are righteous by faith. Not by your right doing that you put on yourself. I have to do this. I have to serve. I have to do whatever. I have to be a good mother. I have to be, a, you know. So these requirements are all taken away. And God give you new life. And he says that you are right. Standing with me, not because of you being a good child, you being a good mother, you being a good uh, friend or servant or whatever, but because you are actually terrible. <laughs> but I give you my goodness. I give you my right standing. Oh, so it's what it's there to boast. And in that righteousness, which is justification, you are acquitted with the words not guilty. If by own effort, you will always have this condemnation, guilty, 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 and then you do something wrong, you feel very down. I, I lost my temper again. Okay? But when you, you go under grace, all right, under the new covenant, the ministry of life, okay, and you realize all your punishment, all Jesus has taken it, and he declared you not guilty, even when you are guilty. This is grace. You are declared not guilty, even when you are guilty by the law. The law will tell you whether you've done wrong or not wrong, right? Correct? So the law, you've done something wrong, the law says you have done wrong. So you are, you are guilty. But grace says you're not guilty when you are guilty. Oh, we have to understand that. But that is where you receive Jesus, where you married to Him instead of trying to serve or trying to please God. You're already pleasing to Him. Nor is the gift of grace like that which came to the one who sinned. For the one hand, judgment followed the sin resulted from one trespass brought condemnation. Adam's sin brought condemnation, guilt, judgment, declared. Guilty because he disobeyed the commandment, right? Resulted from one trespass. But on the other hand, on the other hand, the free gift resulted, grace, Jesus, from many trespasses. You can sin a lot. And yet, you can be declared not guilty. You can be justified if you believe by faith in what Jesus has done for you. He took that guilt guilty verdict on your behalf. The release from sin's penalty, right? Sin's penalty is condemnation, guilt. Isn't that when you sin, this comes to you, right? <laughs> when you do wrong, you feel condemned, la, you feel guilty, la, you feel bad, la, you feel want to give up in life, la, commit suicide. La, okay? You cannot go on forward in life because you've done something bad. Okay? So, what happened? Jesus took that punishment of condemnation, of guilt, of shame, of inferiority for the sin that he did not commit, for your sin and my sin. And 
he's declared us justified, not guilty. Release from sin's penalty for those who believe by faith. So it's, it's too simple, but this is the power of God. This is the wisdom of God. That through one man, Jesus, who paid the price, who took our penalty, everyone who believes in can be declared not guilty. Doesn't make sense to the law. Understand? So justification is God's righteous act. It's like God, lah, but God don't wear spectacles. I cannot find <laughs> a better picture. So it's like a judge. Right? Remember, God is a righteous judge. Right? His love is also just. Otherwise, we won't respect him. Okay? So God is justification and is making right. It's God's righteous act of removing the condemnation, the guilt, and the penalty of sin by grace. Because someone has to pay for it. It's not letting you and me go free. Jesus took your place. The, the, the non-guilty for the guilty. He was not guilty. But he took that guilty. He was declared guilty on account of your sin and my sin. So that now God in his justice can declare who? The righteous to be righteous? No. The unrighteous to be righteous, the guilty ones. Put out your hand. <laughs> we were all guilty ones. Okay? So it was an exchange. But his punishment, all right, the guilt, the condemnation, all that inferiority, shame, all that was put on Jesus. He experienced the most shame if you want to talk about shame. Okay? All that belongs to you, your past, where you came from, you think that is the worst that you went through. Okay, Jesus said, fine. I took it for you. So, what? So that you can be declared not guilty. So that the righteous judge can say, this sin has been punished. Judgment has been meted out to you and me. But not on you and me, on Jesus Christ. If this doesn't touch your heart, I don't know what else can. <clears throat> and he declared us not guilty. Not guilty now is the verdict. You and me in Christ. Not guilty means no more condemnation. You're married to someone who didn't ask you to do this or do that anymore. He just loved you, loved you, loved you, even died for you. He didn't require you to obey all the laws or to try and use your willpower. Okay? He already took that condemnation for you. So when you are not guilty, when you have been a, a, a prisoner, all right, a, a killer or what, okay, being justified, it means pronounce a royal pardon and can come out from the prison. Without a stain of his sin on him, it is as if he never sinned. That's why the forgiveness of sin. People look at him, he don't bring around his record of imprisonment. He said, I am ex-convict. This is what happens to us. When we believers already declare not guilty, that means no more convict. And then we go around still holding that piece of paper. I ex-convict. <laughs> 
Okay, so that is the condemnation and the guilt of sin that the devil put on you and the world as well. Okay, but today you can carry the letter, the, the spirit, okay, no more the letter of the law that whoever sin must die, the wages of sin. And then you felt you haven't died yet. <laughs> so you need to, to uh, you know, carry that punishment, that guilt. You want to carry it. You know, some people want that guilt. To, to carry the guilt when Jesus already take it away. He, he already took that guilt of yours, whatever mistake you have done. I'm talking from my own experience as well. It's not easy, I tell you, but the power of God, all right, his love, his grace, is a new power and operation that can remove that guilty conscience and cause you to walk, what? Not in your own righteousness, your own ability to follow the law, to do what is good, but to know that I wasn't good I made mistakes, but that guilt that was pronounced by the law has been pronounced on Jesus, and now you go free. The happiest person is a prisoner who can go out and start a new life. If not, not one who has to carry that prison record. Jesus never allowed us to carry prison record. His record says you are free, as if you never sinned. That's the record from heaven. Therefore, you have now the, the privilege to start a new life of what? Freedom from condemnation, from guilt. You can be blessed. Okay, start a new life, new job, everything new. No past. The past is gone. Erased by Jesus, cancelled. Past means what? Basically, our wrong things that we did. Or even the good things, the self-righteousness. Okay, all gone. So don't carry the piece of paper of the letter of the law anymore around with you. Huh? Your handbag, don't put that piece of paper there. <laughs> okay, or your pocket. <laughs> All right, don't carry around. You know, I'm still condemned. I'm still guilty. You know, I did that. Somebody already paid for it, Jesus Christ. And the, the, the what they call that, the hammer. <laughs> I love to see law shows. Boom. And it says, go. Go, Robert Lowe, you are free. You are not guilty by virtue of Jesus Christ. So now go and enjoy the life without pressure. Okay? Whereby you don't have to live under the requirements of the law in your soul area. You have to do this. The mind keeps reminding you of all these things you have done wrong and what are the things that you should you need to do. To do, to do, to do. And then you say, I just need to live in the love and provision of God. So Remember, destroy that piece of paper, okay? In your memory of the soul that you are guilty, that you are ashamed of your past or whatever, and take your new certificate, justified, not guilty by virtue of Jesus' blood, a punishment he took for you. Walk free, walk free of putting law back on yourself. Just Go and enjoy the life. We'll continue more. All right. Uh, in Romans 8, first one, no, if you don't get this no condemnation, you cannot go on with the rest. Okay? The, the other verses after Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Right? Because I, I already showed you today, right? Chapter 7 is a miserable, agonizing life. <laughs> and the answer is Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Okay, so when this is clear that you have already been cleared, not guilty, you don't have to, you can continue further 
into the life of pleasure. This is the beginning of your pleasure. Isn't it the, the convict very happy, right? To be given the letter not guilty. And then he go apply for a job also. You know, they don't have to look at his past. It's as if he never committed that crime. Super happy at pleasure, right? But pleasure, man, if you take the, the, the convict, the, you know, the letter from the prison to say that this is his past. He has done this wrong, done that wrong, done that wrong. You want to apply for a job? Bring out the resume. Where did he spend the last few years? In the prison. <laughs> so miserable, right? Don't want to show, but then no choice have to show. Well, the devil wants you to show your past of guilt. But God say it's destroyed. Okay, so now you show the not guilty one. What verse is it? Huh? Second uh, Romans 5. Uh, 16. Uh, yeah. Know these scriptures. So the new creation in Christ, like the old has been passed away. So you can start to have your pleasure life. Because in the Garden of Eden, was Adam and Eve guilty? You know, check guilty, right? That's where they can enjoy the garden. Until they start to disobey the commandment. So the reverse. Today, in the new creation, we were guilty. And then Jesus removed that verdict. And now, for what? For us to enjoy Eden, our life. The beginning of pleasure is no condemnation. When you understand no condemnation. Amen? Okay. <laughs> pleasure or pressure? <laughs> if pressure, you go to Romans 7. <laughs> okay? Pleasure, go into Romans 8. So all the sessions will be on Romans 8, but I won't I will bring it up as the Holy Spirit lead, right? With the revelations of the life of the new creation of pleasure of Garden of Eden. First, get rid of that, that paper that condemns you. Jesus said it's nailed to the cross. Okay? So Leave it at the cross. The accusation voice. Nail there, leave it there. Don't take out the nail and then take it out. <laughs> okay. Amen? All right, amen. Praise the Lord. You, everyone is happy. Pressure? No pressure, huh? <laughs> We're going to enjoy this journey. All right, going through, uh, walk through Romans 8 of the life free from condemnation and guilt of the life Enjoying the Eden in our life where God supplies everything and don't have to fight with all the soul and the, you know, become the miserable man. Okay, all right, so I think I will close. Okay, Robert Loa. <laughs> the man of pleasure and <laughs> not guilty. <laughs> okay, uh, just uh, Bless everyone for this new this week. Enjoy the pleasure of no condemnation. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this gathering that reminds us that we are under Christ and not under the law of Moses. So that we can live the pleasure life, that we can practice it and use it in our life so that we can manifest our way we live in Christ so that we can become like Christ-like free from worries and condemnation. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. 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 Very, very fast. <laughs> so, okay, now everybody can go and have their physical food. Amen. I'll see you all uh, next Saturday. Uh, okay, so in the meantime, remember this week pleasure, not pressure. Don't allow condemnation to kill you, okay? Live in the freedom that Christ has. Okay, bye-bye. See you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Sarah. Bye-bye. Thank you, Pastor. Okay.